Welcome to the Ask Brian podcast radio show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Ask Brian radio show on KHS 1220 and 98.1 FM. Well, each week since actually, let's see, January 2017, that's about six and a half years every week, we have a show on business where we try to help people either teach something about business, learn something about business. We can have a founder, we can have a, a starter of a new company, a CEO, or we can just have somebody that knows a lot about a certain area in business, and we try to teach you that each week. And every week, somebody says that has never listened to their show, Ask Brian is spelled A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N. Nobody understands why it's spelled with an E. So, Tracy, oh. give us one reason why Brian is spelled with an E. Well, if I can only pick one reason, I am no dummy. I'm going with the engineer because the engineer is the number one E that we have on this show, right? Well, I actually thought you would have said if you only could pick one, you would have picked the one that you like from Olivia Newton job. Okay, we've got that going. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, when we skip that I over, only, <laughs> if I could only pick one, that might be it. But I'm a very strategic person, and I know where the show gets produced from, and it gets produced from the engineer. So of course, I'm going to default to the engineer. I would, I would, I would have selected another E that we use. Okay, because this would yes. solve the problem. It's called empathy. And if I empathize, that could have taken care of any hurt feelings to the engineer by skipping over the E. And I also oh. can take over everything. So that's how I think. But then again, I'm okay. a lawyer, so I think differently. All right. Yeah. So, I didn't realize you other... thought so empathetically, actually. I, that's a <laughs> shocker to me. <laughs> we cannot do the show without the engineer. That is correct. But we also cannot do the show without our experts that we interview each week. And that is really fundamentally the core of this show is the education that our experts bring to our audience. And we're always so grateful for that. All right, already. I'm going to enthusiastically talk about the mathematical formula for what it takes to be an expert. But in all That's seriousness. That's a poor, poor our, way to use the word enthusiasm, but go ahead. Like, yeah, kind of like, know, Hi, was, my <laughs> name is Bud. How are you? <laughs> it was next very time we'll sarcastic. Chat, I'm going to use chat GPI next time for enthusiasm. What you said. All right, chat GPI or chat GPT? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't okay, have an E in it, so I don't care. <laughs> okay, I'm not an expert in chat GPT, but I do know what it's called. Anyway. <laughs> All right, an expert, by most people's definitions, is a person who has invested more than 10,000 hours of their life and livelihood in a specific niche or business category. Now, how that math is typically developed is through the course of working somewhere around 40 hours a week, 50 weeks a year, over the course of approximately five years. But we don't really support that theory on the Ask Brian Show because every expert we've ever interviewed has been like, first off, <laughs> who works 40 hours a, 
week when you are starting a business. And second of all, okay, yeah, maybe you take two weeks vacation, but you're probably working while you're on vacation because that's the American way, unfortunately. And then third off, if the pace of which most experts work, you could cover that in three years top, easy, like no problem. So our experts, regardless, have absolutely just a minimum of 10,000 hours in their field, and they can bring so much expertise to the show. Okay. Well, unfortunately, we are getting kind of late here, so we are going to have to go go over the, the last three pretty quickly. Actually, there's four. The four that I'm not so sure you recalled, and because we don't have a lot of time today. So one, our show is educational. We try to educate people each week. Oh yeah, I flipped that. The one. Other, I flipped that one. Okay, okay. Then, in addition to enthusiasm, we are excited. Begin the show. We are so excited, especially about our guest today, because she has got some powerhouse information to talk about today. And but everyone before that, shows, can I still say my favorite? Do we still have time to say my favorite? But you still list one of the most important E's. Yeah. Entrepreneurs. Talking about, well, of course, entrepreneurs. Well, well but if you didn't listen to the show, you don't know. Okay. All right, so now, grease lightning is? Electrifying. And so are we, Woo-hoo. even if we're the only two that think so. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes, <laughs> we probably could go see a psychiatrist. All right, so let's go now to our guest. And I'm going to hope I pronounce her name correctly. So if I do, this is my first time pronouncing her name. And my understanding is this is Krissa McFallon. Is that correct? Yes, you did a great job. All right. Oh, don't tell him that. The ego is already out of control. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, there is an E in, at the end of her name. All right, so uh, <laughs> sorry it took us a long time to get here. <laughs> We've been spending a lot of time on the ease, more so than normal. But the question is, you have a company, and the name of the company is called Patientories. Kind of like, sounds almost like a combination of inventory and patient. So why don't you explain what Patientory is? Yeah, no, that's correct. We I've gotten Patient Story, Patient Repository. But Patientory is a digital health data wallet that securely aggregates health data for patients, their wearable devices, electronic medical records in a secure wallet on their phone, which also enables them to monetize that data for clinical studies and research. Wow, wow, that's very interesting. And you brought up a whole bunch of issues there. Before we get into patient I just want to go quickly about your background. Before you got involved with patient uh what was your background? Prior to starting patient I had already made my way into the digital healthcare startup world. I was managing a telemedicine company almost 10 years ago when that was new and people were wondering why they needed to talk to their doctors over an app. But prior to that, I was in consulting on a lot of new emerging tech. Wow. Wow. That's, that's interesting. So now telemedicine really got big over, I guess, since 2020. So I guess the company that we were working with, are they still around? And the, did they get really big after 2020 with COVID, or were they already so big it didn't really matter at that point? They actually ended up selling in 2017, so they didn't wow. get around to see COVID. Yeah, they got acquired. Well, I guess they got probably pretty happy that they got acquired, but I'm sure that the valuation probably went up quite a bit in 2020 when people's when things like telemedicine became really, really big. But uh, I'm sure they did okay if they sold. When did you come up with this concept, patient Tory? 
around 2015-ish, you know, we were having trouble on the telemedicine platform, getting access to patient data, was really looking at solutions, was coming across new technologies. And that's when I, you know, decided to go off and, and really dig deep and start Patientory. Wow. And did you start it alone or did you have other people involved? Well, I was a sole founder. My co-founder came on about eight months after. And when I see your background, okay, you know, for instance, within even the medical telemedicine area, you could be involved in technology, you can be involved in marketing, sales. What category would best fit you with your prior experience? Yeah, so my experience, I was always in strategy. Well, in, in that prior experience, I was in management, so I was like the product owner for the app. So while I wasn't coding, you know, I wasn't on the technical side, I was like in between, you know, and product owners would know that they're, they're in between, you know, product, tech, and marketing. So you started it alone? Did you have any seed money? How did you fund yourself in the beginning? For Patientory? Yes. So we, our first investment came out of an accelerator that was backed by Kaiser Permanente. So that was our initial like angel seed to really, you know, conceptualize the product, do enough customer interviews, and really get something on paper. And explain to people what Patientory is. You mentioned it earlier about the medical records, et cetera, and that it's kind of like a wallet and that you can also sell the data to people. But, I mean, first of all, how did you – obviously, it's, the technology is really important to everyone. First of all, how did you attract users in the beginning? I mean, nobody knew who you were. How did you do that? Did you have a connection through Kaiser where they notified people to join? How did you get your first beginning people to join Patientory? Yeah, well, a lot of them, because we are a web, we also a web three company. So we're using new innovative technologies like blockchain to really secure the database and, you know, do identity management. So a lot of our users came from that industry. We did trade show and events, you know, active speaking where we saw a lot of patient advocates, right, that were really concerned about their health and, and wanted to go to industry trade shows to really have that voice of the patient. You know, so they became some of our biggest supporters, as well as partnerships through accelerators. I mentioned like a Kaiser, um, although they didn't do much co-marketing. It was really down to the people that we had as like early beta testers, right, that would then join on to the platform. So a challenge, I would think, for a company like yourself, and, you know, I have a legal and an accounting background, but also know a little bit about HIPAA is, I think that people would be concerned about the data that they're providing, you know, that, you know, somebody hacks in or somebody gets all your medical records. I would think that would be a concern. Was that a concern or, and is that a concern to your users and how do you, how do you help protect that? Yeah. So our job is to really educate people on our technology and, and why this is pretty, it's so secure. Then you signing up for another centralized platform that owns your information and they centrally store it. So the biggest piece and why we have empower users to aggregate and own their data is because it's what we call decentralized. So our company doesn't store any of that information. The information comes directly from a hospital system EMR and the user is the only one that can 
unlock their record with a 23 numeric mnemonic code that's specific to them. Well, and so first of all, a this is uh, available on both the Android and the iPhone. Yes, it is. And I know that a lot of people are using their watches, not just the Apple Watch, which is pretty popular for health, but also, you know, you've got the Fitbits and even Garmin and other companies out there have that. Have you gotten to those markets yet, or is that coming? We have. We currently integrate with Apple Fit, with Apple Watch, Apple Health, and Google Fitbit today. So if, you know, you're using any of those trackers, you can also integrate it on the app. And what's really useful about that, you know, we're now in the age of digital trackers. Everyone is tracking their steps. But with our application, we're incentivizing people, you know, through a care plan, you know, so they're tracking their steps. Now they can actually be rewarded for those steps as well. And what's a typical remuneration? How are the users receive monies? And typically what, what amount do they receive per participation in a, in a testing? Yeah, so the way it's done, it's through, I'm not sure you guys are familiar with, like, NFTs and tokens. So there's a token specific to the patientory wallet called PTOI tokens. So after each, I would say, 90 days or so, based on a user's progress, they receive those digital tokens. Some of them can range anywhere from 15 to $30 in their wallet. They can, you know, trade it out for cash or they can keep the tokens in their wallet. And tough question, but so how do you guys make money? Yeah, so I mentioned, you know, we help users once their data is in the wallet, connect them with clinical research trials and organizations. So that is a B2B model where we're essentially, you know, structured it as a data marketplace where we're helping organizations such as pharmaceutical companies gain secure, unidentified data for their studies and helping them to find and recruit qualified patients for clinical trials. And what has been your biggest challenge in this business? I mean, in healthcare, and we saw it in telemedicine, it's it's always slow to adopt new technology until something dire like the pandemic comes around that enables, you know, that type of opportunity. So with, with PatientTory, you know, it's been, we've seen companies try and, and try to do a patient wallet like Google Health, Microsoft Health Vault Fail, who pretty much they were early, but now we see the tide is changing in terms of regulations, right? We're coming uh, upon AI, which is needed in healthcare, especially as, as it, it being the second largest expense in the country. So we, we need new solutions, right, to better manage our health. All right. Tracy, you're on. <laughs> it's hard to follow that. Gee, um, I'm enthusiastic. Yes, you are. And excited. And I'm excited because I want to dig into, um, I love everything that you shared so far on the show, Krista. And, you know, one of the things that you hear a lot is teamwork makes the dream work. And I like to really dig into, like, what kind of team are you working with right now, and how has that grown since you started, and where do you see your team building out from here? Yeah, well, our team is pretty really heavy R&D, you know, research and development based, 
when we started out, it was more consultants, you know, really trying to figure out what, how can we just disrupt the space as quickly, cost efficiently as possible. So I threaded myself with a lot of healthcare expertise. Since then, it's grown to where, you know, we have to build this thing, right? We're building an entire healthcare blockchain ecosystem from scratch. So a lot of developers, coders, now as we're starting to continue on our journey and build out, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing a lot more marketing resources join our team and support with like, you know, apps, you know, maintenance, you know, getting the branding and awareness out there, especially we're building in a new industry, right? So making sure that it resonates with people, they can understand it. So no, we've really transformed over the past couple of years based on our development um, and building out the company. And as the person who's running all of this and the head of all of this, what have been some of your biggest challenges in terms of building out the team? Has it been around recruitment, management? What are you seeing as some of your challenges in that way? I would say building, looking at building a startup team is always going to be the biggest challenge. And, you know, we had a challenge finding the right people, right? That took us some time. Then, you know, we had a challenge in just, you know, culture until we kind of got into our groove in terms of, like, the type of persona that we needed on the team. At that time, you know, we would bring in, you know, former CEOs of big, large corporations that just couldn't adopt to the scrappiness of, of being in a startup. And we had to really face that early on. Yeah, I think that's such a good point, and, and I really want to highlight that for a moment because not enough founders talk about this, and so I'm really glad that you mentioned it because there is a completely different culture. If you are a CTO, a COO, a CRO from a corporate background and you make a shift to a startup, it is so different, right? Like, it is culturally different. It is budget different. It is, I mean, share a little bit more about that. Lifestyle. Lifestyle different, yes. And I just just don't think we talk enough about that because I think people think of it as going from startup to corporate, but nobody really talks about the shift from corporate to startup. And it is a very difficult transition to make. Yeah, especially coming from corporate, you know, you're comfortable. You know, you're basically optimizing for an already built product. There's just a lot more moving parts in the startup, and you're not siloed to just one department, right, one function, as in large corporations. Most of the times, especially if the startup is at least three years old, you're going to be finding yourself doing multiple different tasks across the company. Right, and you may not be used to that because you may be used to having an assistant, having tech support, having a janitor. Exactly. Just the simple things, right? And then you get into this environment, and and I think a lot of people realize it's not for them, and I think it's so important to maybe have those conversations and set those expectations on the front end, but I think if you're not aware that's even a risk, you know, maybe just don't even think to have the conversation. Exactly. And I feel there was like a big surge into startups like five years ago because of just the successes of IPOs 
M&As that really attracted a lot of corporate, you know, individuals and they realized that, you know, it's not for everyone. And certainly not for the faint of heart. That is for sure. <laughs> we need to create an E-word that defines not for the faint of heart. I don't know what that would be, but <laughs> but it sounds like you've got a really great hold on it. Dude, I found something interesting in your bio that I wanted to ask you about because it also appears that you, are, or you may want to confirm or deny this, but are you fluent in Spanish? I am. I did my study abroad in southern Spain almost 13 years ago, but I grew up in New York City, so a lot of my friends were Dominican, Puerto Rican. I, you know, grew up even just learning Spanish in my neighborhood. And I just can't imagine how, what a great benefit that must be for you in, in, as being a healthcare visionary executive as you are now that you have this bilingual component. It has helped, not too much in Georgia, but no, it has. And, you know, I've done medical missions in Central America. So, you know, that helped with the language barrier, even outside of of just working in in, in health tech. Mm -hmm. But, you know, my mission of really transforming and and leaving an impact in healthcare, um, that helped a lot. Yes, and I think as the, as the company continues to expand in the, with a larger global footprint than it already has, I can't imagine that that's not going to also continue to serve you well. And even in, from a recruitment perspective, at some point when you need to expand your team in that area, you don't have to overcome that barrier of communication. Exactly. So now I want to pivot a bit because I'm pretty much known for the pivot. To talk through how you're growing the business from a marketing perspective, what have you done organically as a startup, and then how have you grown your marketing um, efforts and strategy? Yeah, well, campaigns have worked really well for us. Both digital campaigns we run across, you know, sites such as Google, Facebook, and we have influencer campaigns that we just launched a couple of weeks back and we realized that, you know, this really helped us get a niche on, you know, new users to the website. You know, we, we launched one on TikTok that saw over 60,000, you know, likes and over 100,000 views. So, you know, campaigns have worked really well for us. We're looking to continue to build on that as well as, you know, partnerships. So we have a couple of co-marketing partnerships that we've done with organizations such as United Networks of America. They have they have over 30 million patients in their network, and we're looking to expand out, you know, to more consumer businesses that can also take advantage of our application to help build our numbers. And I just happened to know this because, well, you probably don't know this, but because I'm in a podcast production company, we were having a conversation offline about podcasting, and you were saying that you often guest on a lot of podcasts, which I think yeah. is a fantastic marketing strategy. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you got into guesting on podcasts and what kind of benefit that you've seen from utilizing podcasts as part of your marketing strategy? Yeah, at first it was part of like our PR initiative. And I, I, it seems as if I was like, once you start to do a couple, then, you know, the floodgates just, just open in. Like, we will get requests for podcasts frequently, like monthly. 
So that's something that has really helped in just our brand and, and that awareness that we continually take advantage of as well. And just by you being on our show today, I can say I'm sure you're a great guest on other podcasts, and I'm sure that's working really well for you. So between the marketing efforts that you're doing, speaking to other podcast audiences, radio show interviews, the digital campaigns that you're talking about, and the influencer campaigns, they're all really great strategic ways to grow the brand awareness. But when it comes to building your personal brand, can tell that you're really involved in incubators and community, entrepreneur community type of organizations like EY and how has it benefited you as an entrepreneur to be connected to a community of like-minded entrepreneurs? Yeah, no, it, I mean, I think the biggest thing a startup founder can do is have a great community, right? Because you're not going to know all of the answers and being connected to, you know, these digital organizations like EY who probably has a connection to someone down the line that I would want to be connected with, right? And it's easy to, to go and knock on their door and ask for help. So, you know, that's a strategy that I continue to use, especially in being invited to entrepreneur groups like that where they're highlighted, you know, the best and the brightest, but really impactful businesses. So they're also helping to build that awareness as well. Personally, you know, as a thought leader in the space, I write for Forbes, Forbes Web3, so that's something I do active as well. I've written a book on future women and the role of minority woman entrepreneurship. Like, these are all different tactics that can be used to continue to build the brand, but also build the influence. And then I would imagine, too, like you were saying, in this respect, what we were saying even about the culture between a corporate environment and an entrepreneurial startup environment is that it's so important to be around your people, like people who get what you're going through because running a, an, a startup, especially a tech startup, it just takes a lot of grit. It takes a lot of tenaciousness. And not everybody understands what's really involved in building a business to the magnitude of what you're building. And sometimes we think our biggest supporters are going to be like our family and our friends and the people that love us, but really they, they might realize that we're foreign beings when it comes to a startup. How important is it to you, Krista, to connect with other like-minded entrepreneurs to give you that support that you need when you're going through the, the trenches of all this? It is real. It's as equally as important, you know, as everything else in the business, right? Because it can be lonely, it can be isolated. And learning from your peers, learning from others that are building companies, you know, they're going through the same exact thing. And you can see something that may help them and they may see something that may help you, right? So it's a good balance in because I've heard so many stories of founders that they think they can do it, they go 100% and they just burn out because they didn't have an ecosystem, you know, they didn't rely on having balance, right? And it, it's important to, to take it in stride, too, knowing that building something new is not going to come overnight. Yes, gosh, that is, it is definitely, it is not a sprint, it is a marathon. Well, you yes. have been such a fantastic guest, and I know that people will love to or really want to possibly reach out to you, continue this conversation in some way. 
What is the best way, Krista, for people to learn more about connect with you and then obviously learn more and be a part of your fabulous company? Absolutely. Well, I actively tweet. You can find me on Twitter, Krista McFarland. I also have a website, com. You can learn more about my entrepreneurship, books, and, you know, feel free to, to email me at krista.patientory.com where you can also follow our company and what we're up to, all the new announcements and big partnerships at social media on at Patientory. And Patientory, for, these, for those of you who are listening, it's spelled P-A-T-I-E-N-T-O-R-Y, Patientory. And if you are in a place where you can't write that down, we'll have that in the show notes for you on the podcast. And if you didn't know we had a podcast, well, guess what? We do. And you can have the ability to listen to this episode and tons of previous episodes of the Ask Brian radio show. And it is the Ask Brian podcast. And that's A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N, Ask Brian podcast. Find it, download it, follow it, share it with all your friends wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And I have enjoyed talking with you so much. And, Peter, I'm going to turn it back over to you. Well, thanks a lot, Tracy. So we do have a couple of questions. What do you think is the most important attribute of somebody that's starting a business? I would say perseverance. You're going to have the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. can't let either of them determine, you know, your success or failure. So really getting over, you know, the, the rockiness and hurdles is what sets apart, you know, entrepreneurs that win and, and those that feel, you know, they want to go after another, you know, shiny new object or, or go back to working in corporate. I think perseverance is one of the most, you know, biggest, I would say, underrated traits in entrepreneurship. So perseverance is important. Some people have told me that, believe it or not, and it sounds kind of old-fashioned, but money is the most important factor because you can persevere, but if you run out of money, you're not going to be able to continue. What do you think about that? That's true. And, I mean, if you're building a business, you're basically exchanging something for money. So you're going to have to find it somewhere or the other. You have to persevere to find it. And I, I think, you know, going starting a business and knowing that I'm starting a business because a business is something that makes money, it should always be at the forefront and the priority. And if you persevere, like you always get, you know, that first check or a check if you're further down the line and building that business. Well, thanks a lot. We really appreciate it. Unfortunately, we're out of time. We'll have you on another show down the road, especially to see how you've grown and how the company is expanded in the next couple of years. We'll probably have a, a show probably in the next six months to a year. We appreciate your time. Thanks again. And thank you very much for all. This is KHS 1220 and 98.1 FM. Thank you, Chrissy. Thank you, Tracy. And till next week, over and out. Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian radio show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.